There's this beautiful essay by Paul Graham called How to Do Great Work. And he said, the three most powerful motives are curiosity, delight, and the desire to do something impressive. The reality is when I talk to so many founders is they talk about automation, getting out, focusing on other things. And this is an opportunity to ask ourselves, can we do more for our business? Can we get excited and delighted about what might lie around the corner? And that might mean not feeling constrained and bogged down by the four or five functional areas that you're actually doing in your business. But maybe having some structure around it gives you some motivation and some space to focus on what delights you. Because I truly believe that there's opportunity in following your nose. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Happy New Year. This is our 14th year doing this thing. We're still in business. Actually, got some wonderful emails from last week's episode. Of course, if you haven't listened to it yet, because you had a busy holiday season, David and Carrie McKeegan dropped by the show to talk about their eight-figure exit. So many nuggets in that one. But a lot of it is like, okay, we all have a goal for the new year. You probably have a top-line revenue goal, and a personal income goal at minimum. If you're in business, you got to have both. I think the question then is, how do you get there? And increasingly, the answer that I'm coming to is making decisions at intervals. (laughs) That's basically it. Just developing a cadence for making certain sorts of decisions in your business. And this is what I think can help us navigate the messy middle. What's the messy middle? If you have a revenue goal and you have a profit goal, you probably have some kind of product market fit. You have a product, you have a service, you have people buying it. But what don't you have? You don't have an exit. You don't have millions of dollars in your bank account. And you don't have an executive team running your company. That's why you're coming up with the goals and someone's not coming to you in a nice business casual outfit sharing with you what your goals should be. So if you don't have that, but you have the business and the goals, you're in the messy middle. And that's where most of us are. And that's why it was so cool to hear from the McKeegans because they had the goal, they've achieved it. They got through the messy middle and exited that incredible business. But what I emphasize is not just about exiting. One of the things the McKeegans said that was pretty stark in that interview was, hey, we would have made the money anyway. And for most of us listening to this podcast, we run cash flow businesses. That means that if we do ever exit, we'll probably do so on an SDE or an EBITDA basis, meaning we're going to get forwarded years of cash flow, which means that we should be planning to make those profits anyway. And that makes the middle not so messy. So there's a lot to accomplish this year. Let's talk about some ways to do it. What I want to do is bring you into our process. I want to bring you into the meeting that Ian and I had. Last week at the end of the year, how we do our quarterly reviews, the topics that we cover, and what you can take away from it. So in order to do this, we got to have a basic idea of the napkin math of where you're heading, what you want your revenue to be, what you want your profit to be, 
With that in mind, we will jump into the first three steps of our quarterly review process, which I call the triage process. There's a lot of nice things you can do in an annual or quarterly review, but you got to do the triage things. You got to cut the bleeding. You got to make sure the business is healthy and staying on track. So let's jump into our first three triage questions that we ask at every quarterly meeting. And typically to do this, we're going to take at least a half a day. Often we'll do it in person. So the three topics we cover first are money, people, and personal. The money question, let's start there. Is your business financially viable? Can it grow? You know, one of the interesting things about doing a money diagnostic is often that napkin that you drew out your business on at the beginning, which is like, if we sell X number of things for Y price, we'll make Z amount of money. It's often the case that what you're actually doing looks way worse than the napkin. (laughs) And it makes sense to revisit, get it back onto a napkin, re-simplify your business and ask, based on everything you learned in the last 90 days or the last fiscal year, does it still make sense what you're doing? And will it make sense after the next steps that you're planning? That's essentially what we're doing in this money triage. None of the other questions really make sense unless we look at some of the real data in the world. It's weird. A lot of times we overvalue money. We think money's going to make us happy. We think it's the end game, the end all be all. But strangely enough, often we undervalue it. We don't take it seriously enough as a signal that the universe values what they're doing. Let me say it another way. I see so many founders doing things that don't make them money. The largest expense for the majority of us is our team. And so many of our team members are doing things that don't make us money. We'll get to people next, but a lot of us are doing things that we think we should do. And this is the case with a lot of institutions, by the way. You could insert your institution that you want to complain about. They're doing things that they heard about at a conference or on YouTube, but in their own data, in their own balance sheet and P&L, it is not making them money. So I just want to bring it up at the top because it's something I personally struggle with as well, which is do things that make you money. A lot of us are simply not in positions to do things that have long-term future value. A lot of us just aren't wealthy enough. We're not talented enough. We're not starting off at the right moment. Our business depends on us and the people that work for the business doing things that make money. And if you get that right, then you have margin to do the fun stuff or to do the things that you want to do that are outside of the business. So what do we look at? First off, Okay, we're not really talking about this during the money part. Our accountant is going to close the books at the end of the month, and we are going to take a look at something we call a monthly business review, which is a financial 360 at the top level of our business. We're essentially just digging in, and we're looking for anything that looks off or smells fishy. The other thing importantly we're doing here is we're taking a look at our cash flow pro forma spreadsheet, which... If you don't yet have one, you can do it on a napkin. But it's essentially a framework for thinking about your future cash flows. And do they strategically make sense with the costs that are associated with it? So many of us have these magic ideas of how product is going to get shipped, how services are going to get delivered in our businesses. 
Thinking about future cash flows and the costs that are associated with them is what pro forma thinking is all about. It's what napkin math is traditionally all about, right? You're writing what you expect to happen in the future and what you expect to have to pay for it. This is what we're doing at the very beginning of every one of our quarterly meetings is we want to know where every dollar in the business is. So that's the first thing we do. We show up with intensity and we look at the money and we ask ourselves, what can we learn from this? Do we need to change our behavior? Is everything on track? Another fun thing recently this year, we sent this entire report and all of our accounting information to a business coach to have them audit it for us. So getting a trusted third party involved in this can be a great thing to do in advance of your quarterly review. So the first step, we ask ourselves about money. Is our business financially viable? And that sort of sets the concrete and the framework to ask all future questions. Related to my conversation with the McKeegans last week, I think it was really interesting how they took that big old number on the refrigerator that was basically their version of the 4% rule, their retirement figure, their freedom line, and they sent it to three different financial advisors to have them poke holes in it. This is the kind of auditing that we're doing in the business to make sure we're on track. And at the top, we talked about that messy middle. We're in the middle. We've got cash flows coming in. We got to start to transition our thinking from being creative all the time to being custodians of a cash flow that's real data in the world. It's not just your intuition or your idea or that thing that you just got to do in the world or whatever. We've got real information coming to us in the form of money that what we're doing is valuable. So we got to start to transition our thinking to take that really seriously and to consider ways to grow it. The more you grow it, the more you're going to be able to do the first thing. You're going to have more skunk works. You're going to have more creativity. You're going to be able to do more things in your business. So the reason we start with money is because fundamentally it's the oxygen that drives the whole thing. Once we got the money portion sewn up, this usually will take us less than 20 minutes because we have a really good financial team. The final thing we do at the end of every question is we ask ourselves, we talked about how the power of intervals in terms of productivity and clarity of action. It's like everybody in your business, the whole idea here is you have this goal right at the very top, which is your revenue and your profit. You might have some other goals too, but forget about that for a minute. Everyone in the business that works for you, including you, should know how they can contribute to that on a daily basis. That's what's going to make the messy middle less busy. And that's the outcome of everything we're talking about today. So keep that in mind. And one of the ways you do that is you delay decision-making to certain intervals. In other words, you can't be thinking about the totality of the challenge you face at every moment and every day. And certainly the people that work for you can't. So what we're going to do at the end of every section, every question, we're going to create an interval to revisit the question. So in our business, we revisit the money question every 30 days. It might be fine for you to do it quarterly. A lot of businesses have to do it weekly if they're in a more financially sophisticated business. For us, after we ask the money question, we're going to say, look, 30 days, we come back to this, we put it on the calendar, bam, money's done with. Next question is the second most important question in the business is the question of people. And that is, do you have the right people in the right chairs? In the very first high-dollar business coaching session I ever was in, on the way out the door, I turned to the business coach and I asked him something 
I've tried to ask my therapist a bunch of times, but apparently I don't pay him enough. So instead, I asked my business coach, I say, look, I paid you a lot of money. Just tell me what you think is going to happen here and tell me how I'm going to screw this up. And he indulged me. He obliged and he said, look, you're going to mess this up the way everybody messes it up. You're going to have the wrong people doing the wrong things. So you got the money thing figured out. We've got some money. We've got profit goals. We've got revenue goals. Now we got to talk about people. And there's a couple of ways we do that in our business. The first is starting with an accountability chart. So we map out all the key functions in the business in an accountability chart, and we relate those functions to the key goals that those functions are trying to achieve. So at the top, you say you have the founder who is the CEO or the president or whatever. Their goal is revenue and profit. So now you've got a function, call it marketing. Well, in order to get to that revenue and profit in the next year, you think that you need X number of, let's call it website visitors. Okay. Well, that's a function in the business. It's called marketing and there's a stat attached with it. And then what we want to do is hopefully there's someone in your company, it might be you, that is attached to that function that owns it. And so you put that person's name there next. Now, people's names can show up multiple times across multiple functions. What you want to do is map out the company in terms of functions, not in terms of people. And this is a little trick I got from EOS, which is from the Traction book. And then, this is for extra credit, you might ask yourself, where are the key challenges in the system that you want to face in the coming 30 days? So there's a lot going on here. But the key thing is, is you want to map out the functions. You want to take a look at your company in terms of functions and see who that's working for you is attached to those functions. Bam. So the trick I brought in from EOS here is that an organizational chart maps out the people in your company and their titles, and that's it. That's what an org chart does. What an accountability chart does is it incorporates a concept of cash flow mapping to a degree. So what it does is it actually tries to chart out what your company looks like, what the functions look like, and then maps people onto the company. So a few episodes ago, Ian and I talked about this concept of when you start a company, you have a marketing function, you have an operations function, you have a sales function, but your name's on everything. It's like a Christmas tree where every ornament has your face on it when you're trying to replace those ornaments with other people. So at the top, you have your goal, revenue and profit. Now, each functional area of your company will need to have a supporting metric that you believe leads to those outcomes. So in marketing, that might be like website visitors. In sales, it might be scheduled sales calls. In operations, it might be delivery timelines and things like this. And so what we're looking for is in order to talk about our people, we want to map our people onto a visualization of our company and what ideally the people in those functions would own. And you can see why people, by the way, go to business coaches for years because every question here opens up the proverbial can of worms. And so what we're trying to do is just every 90 days, make progress. You don't need to solve the messy middle. You just need to make progress, to find leverage. And that's why we're starting with people and we're not nerding out on accountability charts all day long. The main thing is 
do you have great people owning important outcomes in your business, important metrics? That's what we're trying to do that lead to your ultimate goals. And if you don't, that's something that you need to address in the next 90 days. That needs to be a key project for the founder is to get the right people in the right chairs. And that's just it. Now, part of this process for us is also sort of mimicking an HR function. We're taking a look at where everybody's at in terms of their salary. Are they sticking around? Do they need to improve? Do they need more encouragement? Do they need to shift gears? Do they need to change areas of the company? All that kind of stuff we're talking about in our people triage question. And this all leads to what I think is one of the highest leverage processes in a business. It's not project management software. It's not your email. It is the concept of a scorecard. And it's simply this, which is, do you have a scorecard for all of your direct reports? Do you have an understanding of the ownership of those metrics that make a difference onto a one-page document that clarifies an agreement between you and the team member? And ideally, the reason this is so high leverage is, first off, if you design this well, it all leads to your goal. You're trying to put something on their scorecard that leads directly to the goal. So if they're in charge of marketing, they're in charge of getting website visitors up because you need to have them up in order to meet your goal. It also allows you a very efficient way to change management or to fire people that aren't performing. If they don't meet the goals on the spreadsheet, well, 90 days from now when you have your next people meeting, you have a clear way to improve or change that function which again is the number one way you're going to mess this up, which is why it's important and high leverage. So during this meeting, we're going to review the scorecards of everyone on the team, and we're going to set a cadence to review that scorecard. Now, a lot of the business books out there say you should review a scorecard for every single person in the business every 90 days. Depending on the role and the size of your business, that might be too much. So you just got to decide. But for us, we're going to take a look at these key contributors and make sure they're working on important things that lead to revenue, and it's clarified between us and them what the deal is. That's why scorecards are so critical. And they're one of the first things we talk about when we ask, do we have the right people in the right chair? Just a couple can of worms notes here. Because, I mean, what we're trying to do is simplify. But while you're walking around, when you're in the shower, you might think about some things like, well, it's kind of interesting. I've got these metrics that relate to profitability and revenue in the company. But when I look at the salary of the person who owns that function, it's kind of low relative to the results it's delivering for the company. And strangely enough, this is a very common mistake when you start to map this stuff out on an accountability sheet, is that founders, because we love shiny objects, we love supposed tos, we love doing the right thing, we will often underinvest in what's working in order to get other things off the ground versus putting super competent, incredible people on the cash flows that are working in order to grow them. So all this kind of stuff is why this is in the triage section. This is the basics. This is block and tackling. You got to have the right people in the right chairs. And a lot of that is, are you reinvesting appropriately in your cash flows? The cool thing about accountability chart too, is as your team understands this, they're more flexible to move around the company. Now, you're still going to have to fire people. That's a reality of any business. You're going to make mistakes. And part of what having a scorecard is all about is facing those mistakes and having clarity within two parties when those mistakes happen. And often you're still not going to have clarity around it. That's the bottom line. Sometimes you're just going to disagree about how well they performed and you're going to have to move 
the right people into the right chairs because your business is at stake. Don't wait. Don't wait until some financial disaster in order to make the right decision about who's creating results in your business. Your customers depend on it. Your business depends on it. That's why people is the second question we talk about, right? And again, we're in the context of this like four or five hour meeting. We've talked about money. Now we're talking about people. And typically when we get to the end of this section, we'll talk about our people for 30 minutes to an hour and we'll write down what are our next steps and what sort of changes do we need to make in our team in order to achieve those goals that we've put on that accountability chart. Okay, you still with me? We talked about money. We talked about people. I mean, Ian and I probably are breaking for a rice bowl or a burger, some kind of delicious local Austin delicacy at this point. Probably just schlepping up to the cafe counter and getting a, a deli sandwich. But <laughs> we're back at it. And the final triage question is personal. Personal. So Again, we've got nine total questions, but we always start with money, people, and personal. And often, if it's been a busy quarter, if we just don't have the time or whatever, we'll just end it at three questions. The personal question is simply this. Are you performing well in the business? You know, there's these common frustrations amongst founders like, I got to get myself out of the business. The business depends too much on me or whatever. But that's also an incredible point of leverage. The fact that you can make so much happen in the business, if you can build a strong team with a strong cash flow and move on to higher leverage activities, you might progress through the messy middle faster. Or if you have a strong operation around your business that allows you to focus on high lever points, you'll be able to do a lot more with a lot less. So the question is, what is your personal scorecard? Where do you exist on that accountability chart of your business? Are you actually doing three or four functions in the business? This is so common. No wonder you're burnout. No wonder you don't want to work in the business anymore because you have four jobs. Is there a way that you can limit it to do the one thing that you do great? There was a meme going around on Twitter the other day. But John Cena, I don't know where I saw this. Someone tweeted it out that I follow. John Cena is sitting there. He's this muscle-bound WWE superstar or whatever, signing posters of himself. But there's someone moving the posters and like supporting his arms on a and and someone's wiping his forehead from sweat and feeding him water. And all he's doing is signing. And it's just this beautiful visualization of where we're heading as founders to do the one thing, the last thing that we can do. And when we take a look at these accountability charts, it's so often the case that we're doing so, so much to keep our business in line. And the personal triage section, when we ask this question, are we performing well? It's to remind ourselves that our role here is not to build ourselves jobs, is to be entrepreneurs, is to be founders, and to progress every 90 days through the messy middle. That means redoing our scorecard. I met with one of my favorite followers on Twitter is Clay Collins. I met with him a few years ago and I asked him what it's like to be the CEO. He was a CEO of a big company at the time. And he said, it's like changing your job every six months. That's what it is for a growing startup. And that's exactly what we're talking about, which is we have to recognize that every 90 days that our roles might be changing. We have to check in, check those scorecards. One of the things I'd like to encourage you to do, and Ian and I 
talk about from time to time during these meetings is our own personal desires. And a lot of what great work means is tapping into what motivates you. That's a lot of what leadership is too. There's this beautiful essay by Paul Graham called How to Do Great Work. And he said, the three most powerful motives are curiosity, delight, and the desire to do something impressive. The reality is when I talk to so many founders is they talk about automation, getting out, focusing on other things. And this is an opportunity to ask ourselves, can we do more for our business? Can we get excited and delighted about what might lie around the corner? And that might mean not feeling constrained and bogged down by the four or five functional areas that you're actually doing in your business. But maybe having some structure around it gives you some motivation and some space to focus on what delights you. Because I truly believe that there's opportunity in following your nose, in trusting your gut. And just because you're building a machine, which is essentially just decisions at intervals, it's not call it a machine. Why do we use machine metaphors? These are organizations. Actually, these businesses we're building, they're more like tribes. They're more like flocks of birds or something or, or swarms of uh, working together. We're not building machines. I reject these operational philosophies that turn us into machines. So just because you're saying I make decisions on certain intervals doesn't mean you're part of the freaking Borg. And so what I want to do is by putting these meetings and decisions on the calendar, it gives you space and oxygen to focus on what delights you, what interests you, and your passion. And I believe your passion can drive business growth. I've seen it happen so, so many times. And so, I don't know, if you're feeling like some of this stuff takes away from that, I just want to give you that little bit of encouragement that teams will respond to this, your customers will respond to this, and that great businesses are grown from people who are curious about what it is their business does. And, you know, your business empowers you to discover information about the world that previously nobody knew. That's one of the coolest things. In this essay, Paul Graham talks about the frontiers of knowledge. You pick a niche and you dig, dig, dig. You commit. You have clients paying you to do this work or to deliver this product. And you decide, hey, well, this product's a little bit better if you do this. Well, that's new knowledge in the universe. Or did you know that Google did this? And so if we do this with our clients and this happens, that's new knowledge in the universe. And that's something to be excited about. That's something also to capitalize on. Great businesses have access to proprietary information about the universe. And so a sense of wonder, a sense of excitement and curiosity is what gets us there. And so a lot of this personal triage is about checking in. Are you excited about the business right now? Maybe you're excited about it because there's some selfish elements. Let's talk about some selfish frameworks. How about, do you have a money goal? What kind of money do you want to make this year? Is that going to get you motivated? That could do it. What about if it's not about the money? What if it's a dream line? What if it's a sabbatical, a vacation, a purchase, a charity, something that you want to get involved in this year? You could use this as an opportunity to talk about your dream lines. Finally, it's an opportunity to talk about your personal habits in the business. Just tell you one, specifically for me, I was very much in manager mode in Q3, Q4. We just had a lot going on. I'm working on some long form pieces right now. I'm moving more to maker mode in Q1. And so I've just canceled all my meetings before 11 a.m. Just a simple thing that's during this process in our last meeting, I was like, I got to move my meetings because I'm going to change my personal habits in the business. I'm going to wake up every morning and focus on making instead of on managing. And so 
just a small time every 90 days to check in. What's your scorecard? What's, what are you personally excited about? And what are your personal habits in the company? How are you going to change your meetings, your agendas, who you're interacting with, all that stuff. So there you go. Those are our first three of the triage questions. So again, we're talking about questions and the intervals in which we answer them. So we're answering money questions typically every 30 days. We're answering people and personal questions every 90 days. And these are all called triage or right now. This is what's happening in the business right now. This is dashboard type of stuff. And we'll get into dashboards later. <laughs> That's dashboard we've actually included in what we call growth questions, which we are typically addressing every half. So every 180 days, we develop H1 and H2 strategies and we'll encounter what we're calling growth questions. So what's next? And that's when we dig into things like our strategies, our plans, and our ability to move the market. So those are our growth questions. And you want to talk about a rabbit hole? Those questions are even a bit more complicated and trickier than the triage ones. And then occasionally, call it every half or once a year, we'll address what we call in legacy questions. Or these are more about purpose and always type of timeframes where we're talking, looking at information, luck, and excitement. These are bigger things. So just to review, we're talking about triage. We're talking about right now. We're talking about getting off on the right foot. And you don't need like high-minded ideas to make these questions go to work for you. All you need is a goal. You need a goal for next year. Let's call it revenue. Let's call it profit. And then we'll dig right in and see how our money, our people, and our personal relate back to that goal. All we're trying to do is find that polarity, the polarity, the connection between the goal and how it relates to your money, your people, and your personal. And so we're just going to dig into each of those questions every 30 days, in some cases, every 90 days, in the case of money in our case, every 30 days, we're going to make a decision, we're going to take the next steps, and then we're going to move on with our business. That's it. We don't have to think about all this stuff every single day. So hopefully that will help you make your messy middle just a little bit less messy. You can download the Google Doc that I use to do this. Just click through on your telephone. I'll have a link up there. You know, Google Doc actually launched the feature where they have the little carrots that Notion has. You know, you click a little carrot and it pops down and it expands text. And uh, this little feature has actually made Google Docs a much more friendly program to build these kinds of framework type brainstorm meeting documents in, which is great for me because I just do not like introducing new software into the company. I want to keep it simple. I don't want to be jumping out into all different kinds of software all the time. So I'm really glad they added that feature. So I've made some carrots for you guys if you want to use them. And just, it's really simple. You just expand the money section. You start taking notes, set a timer. When you guys are done talking about money, you identify your next steps and then you get moving on to the people. Same thing. Take your notes. And those are the notes you're going to refer to in your next 90-day meeting. You talk about what the next steps are going to be, what the projects you're going to do as a response to your meeting. Bam, you're on to personal. Same thing. Talk about the personal stuff, right? What your next steps are going to be, what decisions you've made. Bam, get moving on. Get back to business. So there you go. High leverage stuff, 90-day quarterly reviews, scorecards, accountability charts, accounting with competence. <laughs> it's the basics. The basics will set you free. It's block and tackling. 
That's it. That's what we do on a daily basis. <laughs> I hope this podcast was fun and entertaining. It's, there's some amusement to watching a fellow founder train wreck right along with you into 2024. We're looking forward to a wonderful year on the podcast. Our download numbers are up. I don't know if it's some kind of technical glitch or whatever, but we're just so happy that you're clicking on the TNBA podcast to listen to what's going on here. We have a great year planned. You can weigh in. Follow us on Twitter or email us, Dan and Ian at tropicalmba.com. Let us know what you think of this framework, what we should add, what we should delete, and what we should cover in the future. We'll share more about this in the coming months. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.